Welcome to Lakeside Church's message podcast. Our prayer is that you fall in love with Jesus, find your church family, live in freedom, and be active in your purpose. Let's join the message already in progress. Um, if you have your Bibles, if you want to turn to Galatians chapter 5, I'm going to open up with a little prayer before the message, and then we will get into, into the, the book of Galatians. Lord, it's an honor and a privilege to speak your word, and I thank you for it. Lord, I realize I can't do it alone. I need your help. Lord, we, we need your help understanding as well. We just need your grace here, God. We're approaching your word. Lord, we want to know what it says, what it means for us, and how it should change our lives. So please speak to us, speak through us, and let your will be done here right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we will, uh, a quick little review of churches. We've seen part of this book um, written to the area of Galatia. A lot of smaller churches received this area, this letter in, in a kind of a bigger area. The main point has been for the last four chapters, um, you're not under the law, that you're under grace, you're under Jesus, that it's, it's not just about rules and regulations, it's about what Jesus did. Um, and, and they were doing something sneaky to the Galatians. Is they weren't saying, choose between the law and Christ. They were saying, it's Christ and the law. Trying to add something to Jesus. And, and we don't need to add anything to Jesus. And so now chapter 5, um, it's kind of like, so what? So in four chapters, he makes this long appeal. He uses a lot of examples saying, you're not under the law, you're under Jesus. And so then now what? So like the question we should be asking, so all right, Chris, we don't have to, to follow the law, but then, so like what do we do? How do we live? Like what, 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 what should guide us? And Paul is going to really answer that question in the second half of this chapter. Verse 13 of chapter 5, he says, and this is kind of where we ended last week. He says, you were called to freedom, brothers. We should be the freest people in this world. We're free in Christ. But it says, you were called to freedom, brothers. Only don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So he's saying, all right, the point of the law, the... the the thing he was, the law was pointing to was this, this incredible principle that Jesus actually hit on, which is loving your neighbor the same way you love yourself. And that's hard. That's difficult. And it's not natural. In fact, they actually do that. Verse 15, he says, But if you bite and devour one another, watch out so that you're not consumed by one another. So he's, he's kind of adding in there, and we're going to see it, this, this idea that um, you're in this together. If you're attacking each other, don't be, don't be surprised if you're all destroyed. If we're all biting at each other and, and, and just, just nibbling, and, and whether it's a big nibble or a giant big bite we're taking out of people, eventually we're going we're gonna to be consumed by each other. So in verse 16, if that's not what we're supposed to do, if we're not supposed to be under the law, and if we're supposed to love 
our neighbor and if we're not supposed to bite each other and, and be, be attacking each other. Verse 16 is really the, the so what. So then what do we do? And Paul goes on and he says, But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. See, the law is external, right? The Bible, this, this law, it's not, it's not in me. It's not in you. But the Spirit of God should be internal. And it says if we learn to walk by the Spirit, then you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. I'm going to read a little more and then we'll talk. It says, For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. All right, so it's saying it's going to make this big distinction and it's going to make a big point about the desires of the flesh. And then when it says the desires of the flesh, it's not just talking about the flesh that you wear, that you have, that you grab stuff with and live in. It's, it's bigger than that. There, there, there's a part in us that wants to do wrong. It's in each of us. And it says a very interesting thing. It says, the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. So the spirit of God that is within us, it desires something different than we desire ourselves. But our flesh, that part of us that wants to do wrong, it doesn't want to have anything to do with the spirit. It's like spirit bad, spirit no, and the flesh is saying, no, flesh bad, flesh no. And then he says something interesting. He says, it keeps you from doing the things you want to do. See, the flesh, if the flesh is over here and the spirit over here, the flesh is going to try to lead us to not do the things of the spirit. We're going to talk about them in a little bit. But love and patience and goodness and kindness, we're going to talk about that. And the flesh is constantly leading us. So if, maybe you want to be loving. Have you ever woken up and you're like, man, I, I'd, like to, I'd like to really love my spouse or love people at work or love somebody. And then all of a sudden you encounter something and the flesh just puts an end to that. Love is gone. Like all of a sudden now you're fighting and you're arguing. Well, you're doing what you don't want to do. Well, the spirit... It leads us away from the flesh because some of the works of the flesh are fun for a time. All right? It, they're good for a little bit, but long term, they destroy our souls. And so the Spirit's saying, no, don't do that. that. That's a temporary pleasure. It's a temporary relief. And you know if you go into that cycle, then, then, then you're going to be just in it again of, of guilt and depression sadness and frustration and so the flesh is saying don't do that and we are in the middle and very often even believers we want to do both we want to do the works of the flesh sometimes we want to be walking in the fruit of the spirit sometimes and we're going to have to make a decision there's going to have to be some something that we do and one way or the other we're going to do something that we don't want to do. We're either going to have... Verse 18, it says, but, but if you are led by the Spirit, then you're not under the law. 
All right, that idea of being led by the Spirit in Matthew chapter 4, that verse should be there in the back. I want you to see something before we talk about being led by the Spirit. But in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, we probably have read that before. If you've been in church, you've heard about that story where Jesus goes into the, de into the desert and the, the, the enemy tempts him, the devil tempts him. But Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, right? He is above all. But we see him being led. That speaks to us about who the Holy Spirit is. Because who could lead Jesus but someone as, as, as good as him? which is the Spirit. That's why, that's why we, we believe the Spirit's God. But even Jesus himself, when he was here on this planet, and it says the Word became flesh, he was led by the Spirit. And, and my, my question is, is, is if Jesus was led by the Spirit, why aren't we? If Jesus needed to be led by the Spirit, why don't we need to be led by the Spirit? The idea of being led, I mean, that, that's a humbling experience. In fact, the only person I would feel comfortable doing this for right now is my wife, where I can grab her hand. But I'm, well, she wants to be here, but just probably not up here. So I'm leading her. I'm deciding at this moment where we're going. I decide when we stop. <laughs> and she's doing just like all of us do with the Lord. It's like, Lord, you're too slow. Let me show you how this goes. Or I don't want to go that way. And, but the point is, is it, is it takes trust. It takes, it takes knowing that the person you're following is, is, has your best interest in heart, that, that I'm not going to lead her into something that, that is bad for her, but only that which is good for her. And even if she's uncomfortable right now, or whenever I'm leading that she knows that she can trust me. And thank you, dear. See, she was happy to sit down. <laughs> but Jesus was led. So in verse 18 of chapter 5, it says, but if you are led, and that means that the Spirit, the Spirit's guiding you. He's, he's helping you make the decisions. He, he is showing you where to go, and it's only then that you're not under the law. Remember we talked about the flesh, I'm sorry, the flesh versus the spirit. If you're over here being led by the spirit, you're not under the law, which the opposite of that would mean if you're not being led by the spirit and you're in the works of the flesh, then the law would apply. So be led by the spirit. Verse 19, he's going, to, he's going to get a little spicy. All right, but th this is church. He says, the works of the flesh. These are the things that bring sometimes temporary happiness, temporary rest, temporary fulfillment. But the works of the flesh are evident. I don't think that these are all the works of the flesh but I think it's a good, a good group of them. 
but they're evident, they're clearly seen. You know what they are, but he's gonna tell you anyway. The first three, sexual immorality, impurity, and sensuality. Those are all things related to sex. Sex was created by God and therefore it's good, but it's to be used in the way that he designed it for. And if you don't know what it's designed for, it's for babies that will be able to be raised in a home with a mom and a dad, with parents that teach them and train them and, and show them the way. So it's in that relationship that it is good. But sexual morality, impurity, and sensuality, that's the flesh. All those things are good for a minute. Maybe some of you longer than a minute, but they're good for a time. And then it's over. And if it's not done in the right way, it's, it's, not, it's, it's emptying. It empties yourself. When you participate in the works of the flesh, it empties something in you. It, it drains some of the life out of you, and it, it leads you into a place that is ultimately dark and sad and lonely because they separate you from God. Verse 20, idolatry and sorcery. Those two tr kind of go together. Idolatry, making an idol, putting where we get pharmaceuticals. And both of those things are, are things that people do, whether it's using some kind of chemicals or, or worshiping some kind of idol. It's things that people do to try to connect with God, but without doing it his way. Not coming his, through his door. Not following his path. And they're from the flesh. The next few, enmity, Strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, and envy. That's a big group. But all those are related to how you treat people. Enmity, hatred. Hatred feels good for a minute. It feels good to get really mad at somebody and just be like, oh, I can't stand this person, and, and I'm right, and there's the reason that I'm right, and I just, just ugh. But if you live like that, you'll die. It kills you. Strife. There's some people, we live for strife. There's always conflict. Their, their, their personality and, and the way they treat others is, is constantly rubbing people the wrong way. Jealousy. And in verse 21, it says envy. I'm going to talk about these two together. Jealousy and envy are, 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 are pretty close. They're neighbors. I was reading Augustine, and he was, he was talking about how, how jealousy would be like if, if you and I are going for the same job and we have the same qualifications, same background, same, same everything, and we go and we apply for a job and you get it and I don't, we both equally deserved it, but for whatever reason, you know, you had a better interview and they just, they just want you. Well, then I'm jealous because, you know, you got it. 
Envy would be like, well, now this guy over in that job, and now we're at work like we did. In fact, he hasn't had a job in 12 years. He must know the owner. But they're related. It's a similar feeling. It's just a different way you're expressing it. Again, it's how you, and we don't want to see anybody do good if it's not happening to us first. Then he goes on to say fits of anger or rage. See, the Bible says be angry and don't sin, which thank God it says that because some of us, we get angry. But it's these fits of anger where you embrace the anger. And some of us, some of you guys in here and you ladies as well, you know exactly what I'm talking about. There's a point where you just, you give in to the anger. And you're like, all right, I guess we're doing this. All right, I guess that's what time it is. You want to go? Let's go. And, and things fly out of your mouth, and you start to tear people down, and you might just be loud and banging things and slamming doors, and, and you're just this, this rage monster. It's not the anger. It's embracing it and getting into a fit and a rage. Rivalry. See, competition is good. It's fine. It, you know, it... There's nothing wrong with, with having friendly competition, but that rivalry where not only are you trying to win, but you're trying to make the other person lose, where, 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 you're, where you're, you're just against people constantly, trying to outdo each other, and then not celebrating when the other person wins. See, the difference between competition and rivalry is if we were to play a game, I guarantee you we're going to compete because you probably want to win and I want to win. But then if you win, then I celebrate. Be like, you know what? Good game, man. You did well. You beat me. Rivalry, forget that guy. Different. These are all works that come from the bad part of us. Dissensions and divisions. You ever just meet somebody? We, we, in my family, we say a contrarian. We talk about our kids, oh, you're just being a contrarian today. There's, no, matter what, no matter what you're doing, sometimes there's just that one person that's like, I don't want to do this. We're in Disney World. No, nah, I don't like it here. We're eating your favorite food. No, nah, it's not the right temperature. There's just some people that are never happy, and they're always dissenting, and, and no matter what others are doing, they want to do something else. If you're here, then I'm going to be over there, and if you all go to that side, then I'm going to come to this side, and, and you just constantly want to do something different, and you can't connect and live in relationship with others. That's dissension. Division is you start to call people over. So now I'm on this side, and now I'm like, Come on, Kevin. Come on, Dan. Let's, this side's better. Dissension, I'm over there by myself. Division, I'm like, you know what? This side is terrible. Look how much better it is over there. They've got a basketball goal, some windows. It doesn't matter that there's a basketball goal and windows here, but you're just, you're, you're dividing people. And in churches, that happens all the time. It's not that you can't think for yourself and, and do your own thing, but a group, having your own opinion, and then trying to divide a group. 
drunkenness and orgies. See, this has been an issue for the church. You know, there have been times in the church where the churches have really made a big, a big push to say, hey, you know what, you, we're going to abstain. There's no alcohol. We're going to prohibition and we're going to get alcohol out of our country and all this stuff. And the Bible doesn't really say that about alcohol. But the Bible has a big problem with drunkenness. Now you need to know that. There's some people in here, you could have a drink, and that's the only drink you have, and you're good. There's some people in here, even me talking about it, you're like, I need a drink. If you're looking for alcohol to bring your comfort and to bring your rest and to help you get free from stress, maybe you should be looking to Jesus instead. The next word, it's like a out of control party. It's bigger than just the the sexual undertones, but it's, it's, it's those people that they cannot live their life without going absolutely bananas on a regular basis. Just doing, and, and some of y'all are like, yeah, look at him, you know? But, but it's this uncontrolled, sensual pattern that ultimately leaves you empty. And then look what Paul says, and things like these. So I said it's not, a, um, it's not an exhaustive list. You could probably add some more other things in here, things that you've seen, things that you've heard, things that you know about. But there's other things that are works of the flesh, but they're all in the same categories. And then he says, I warn you, this should be scary. If you're not scared when you read this, then I don't think you're paying attention and not scared in a bad way, but healthy fear, a little bit of like, what did that just say? I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things won't inherit the kingdom of God. So as that we were reading, if you saw some of those things that you're like, ooh, that's me. Well, maybe you need to find a better news is there is a spirit of God that these things. Verse 22, he's going to make his comparison. He says, but the fruit of the spirit is. See, the whole book, he talked about the works of the law. Now he just talked about the works of the flesh. And you would think he would say, but the work of the spirit. But he doesn't. He goes to a different word. He says it's the fruit. And we've said it before, but, but you don't see trees squeezing out fruit. They don't tense up and, you know, you wake up in the morning and you can be like, oh, boop, apple. <laughs> the fruit comes when the tree is placed in the right place and gets the right nutrients and the fruit comes because that is what the tree is designed to do. The fruit of the Spirit comes because in Christ, as we're born again, that is what we're designed to do. 
This is what being born again and being transformed by the grace of God through the cross of Christ and his death and resurrection, this is what he makes us. That word fruit is singular. There's not fruits of the Spirit. It's fruit. There's one type of fruit. And the way I was thinking about this, and it just came into my mind this way, if you guys remember that, that movie, Willy Wonka, the everlasting gobstopper. It was supposed to be this piece of candy that when you put it in your mouth, the flavors would just change forever and ever. It never went away and that sometimes it tasted like apple pie and sometimes it... But the point is, is that the fruit of the spirit, depending on the need of the in your life, comes with these things. So when you have God's fruit in your life, at different times, you're gonna need different stuff. And it says it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. There's times in our life that, in fact, all the time we need love, all the time we need joy, all the time we need patience, but there's some times that, that it draws us out a little more. We taste like patience today because we're just able to deal with people. Kindness. That's like being incredibly good to people. Goodness. That's doing good for them. See, when, we talk, when I talked about those bags and I said, man, how, who, how many bags can we make? Do you think that'd be a good idea? Somebody was like, woo! That was the fruit of goodness. Their fruit of goodness is just coming out. They're just like, yes, I want to do good. I don't want to just wake up every day and not be a blessing. Like, I want my life to help others. Faithfulness. This idea that, that you're a person of your word, that you don't give up on people, that you stick with people. And, and gentleness, that's not weakness. But a gentleness is when you have strength. You're gentle to a baby. You have the strength. If you wanted to, you could do bad. But when you're gentle, you can, can pick that strength and keep it under control. And even the biggest, strongest people in here can pick up that baby and take care of it. You're only using the strength that's required. Self-control. means you're in control of yourself. How many times have you flown into a fit of rage because you just didn't have control anymore? Or some people, they go on like benders drinking all month and year because they've lost control. There's this idea that the Spirit of God comes and when we're led by the Spirit, because somebody has our hand and they're leading us, and they're navigating all of life's issues and stresses and difficulties. And, and, and we can do this. We, we, we can live the right way. Patience was another one. And we talked about that. But you know, people say, and I've heard this in church so many times. They're like, I need patience. But I don't want to pray for it. Because they're saying, if I pray for it, then God might test me. Because that's how God is. He's just like mean and hard. Right? 
That's like when you ask the math teacher for help and they give you a test. It's like, oh, you need help? You need help in math? You don't know how to multiply? Here's an 80-question test. Why do we think God's that way? When you need patience, ask to be led by the Spirit. Why, why are we so afraid? I know people say it joking around, but in a lot of people, there's a little bit in their voice that's like, no, seriously, pray for that. Because I don't know what could happen. Like, seriously? <laughs> but when you're asking for help, who gives you a test? What teacher would do that? So if a human teacher's not going to do that, why would God do that? But maybe if you're still afraid to pray for patience... Why don't you just pray, Lord, help me to be led by your Spirit. Help me to walk in step with your Spirit. Verse um, 23, gentleness, self-control, against such things there is no law. Verse 24, and those its passions and its desires. That's a powerful statement. That in Christ our flesh is crucified. Crucified things are dead. They're nailed down so they can't get up. And verse 25, we're ending right here. It says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let's keep in step. When he's leading us, just walk just like he walked. Don't try to slow down. Don't try to speed up. Don't try to go left. Don't try to go right. Just follow him. Be in step. Have you ever walked with somebody and you're having a good conversation? And it doesn't matter how tall they are, how long their legs are, but you're just walking in step. Side by side. And this is a little different because we're being led. He's leading us we can still be in step. I think I'd like to close today by giving people an opportunity to pray. I'm not saying pray for patience. But if you've heard anything today and you've said, man, maybe I'm, I look more like the flesh than I do like the spirit, maybe this is a good time to talk to the Lord. Just right there in your seats. Just a good time to ask him to help you to follow. To help you to walk and step with him. Let's take a few minutes. Just talk to your father. If you need to repent for anything, if anything hits your heart and you're like, man, I can't do that anymore. Just acknowledge it. Say, God, I realize I've been doing this and I don't want to. Forgive me. Maybe you haven't been following the Spirit. You haven't been walking in the Spirit. You haven't been led by the Spirit. Ask Him for help. Say, Lord, help me to know your Spirit's leading. Help me to know your Spirit's guiding me. Help me. Lord, we thank you for this day. If we've been doing any of them, participating in them, God, forgive us. Lord, help us to follow your spirit, to be filled with your spirit, to be led by your spirit, to walk in step 
with your spirit. Lord, that fruit might be there. Lord, that we might be so full of the spirit of Jesus that when we get pressed, when we get pushed, that's all that comes out. Just Jesus. Jesus is goodness when it's hard to be good. Jesus is patience when it's hard to be patient. Jesus is kindness when we don't want to be kind. And self-control when we just want to be out of control. Help us, Lord. We need your help. In Jesus' name. Hey guys, I'm Bob. <laughs> <laughs>